In your Bibles tonight, 1 Timothy chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. And I want to read this chapter of Scripture to you. And it's kind of interesting. i got about three different sermons written down here. And I'm not going to preach them all, but I'm trying to decide which one I'm going to preach. This passage of Scripture is full. And that's one of the fun things about preaching the Bible is you never run out of anything to preach. There's so much content in God's inerrant, infallible Word. And uh, we could spend a long time, but I'm asking the Lord to zero in on what we need tonight. But I want to read this chapter of Scripture to you. First Timothy chapter 4. I remember as a kid uh, sitting here listening to Pastor Chuck preach. And a lot of the times he'd introduce the passage. This was, he would say something like this, the Apostle Paul speaking to his son of the faith, Timothy. And I remember hearing that phrase, it would kind of like whoosh, right over my head. But it is important to note that this is the Apostle Paul speaking to his son of the faith, Timothy, it makes us understand uh, the emphasis. And so Paul it has a young man that he's trying to influence and help and trying to encourage in the ministry and the work of the Lord. And he's writing these things to him, instructing and helping him. And so when we read this passage of Scripture, we should, we should sit in the seat like we are a Timothy, somebody that the Apostle Paul wants to help, and we should listen and we should study and apply this truth like we are the student being taught by a godly teacher. And so as we read this, I want you to sit back and I want you to say, Lord, I want to be your student. I want you to teach me something and help me. When we read this text together, 1 Timothy chapter 4, the Bible says this, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained." But refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is, and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying, and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Verse 16. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 
Now, when we come to this passage of Scripture, there's lots of things that uh, come to mind, lots of things we, we study that jump off the page. Uh, I'll just give you, uh, for instance, verses 1 and 2. I read them two different times in my Sunday school class this morning. And it's so important that we pay attention and we understand that there are seducing spirits and doctrines of devils and there are folks who are apostatizing and leaving the faith. We need to know that the devil wants to corrupt our minds. It's a fact. And we can take note of that, but I'm not going to preach on that tonight. Just a little tidbit there for just a second. This is an interesting thing. One of the things that Paul is warning uh, Timothy about, he says, Now listen, one of the things that you're going to find out from people who are departing from the faith, they're going to do some weird things. Verse number 3, he says, they're going to forbid to marry. Uh, they're going to reject God's standard for marrying. One, they're going to reject God's standard for marrying. But the other thing, and one of the main emphasis of this passage of Scripture, was there were people who thought somehow they could become super spiritual and they start adding things to God's law. And so really the greatest emphasis in this passage of Scripture was Paul said there's people who are going to depart from the faith and they're going to try to become some super spiritual something, something more spiritual than God, extra biblical, and they're going to forbid to marry. They're going to make you feel like that if you marry, that you're not as spiritual as they are. He said, whoa, God's made it part of his law and a good thing for folks to get married and a man to marry a woman and a woman to marry a man. And he says, they're going to forbid to marry. He said, beware of this. Be careful. He said, not only that, they're going to command to abstain from meats. These same super spiritual said, I'm not getting married. I'm too spiritual for that. They're going to command to abstain from Eating meats. Now, I thought this was, fine, this was fascinating, and I did not plan this, but this is two of the times that the word thanks, two of eight times that the word thanksgiving is used in the New Testament is found in our text tonight, and I did not plan it that way, but it is quite interesting. Let me give you a thanksgiving lesson from 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Here's what he said. He said, he said there's going to be folks forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from meats which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Let me tell you something. This is Bible proof that eating ham for thanksgiving is right. And turkey. Some of you don't like ham, but God says if we give thanks over it, ham's good too. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, on a very serious note, on a very serious note, when people and groups of people in this New Testament church age, the day of grace where Jesus is King and Lord and only Savior, people who make a religious practice to abstain and they make, make a big deal about abstaining from eating meats, God says you need to beware of that. Isn't that fascinating? God says you need to beware of that because anything that we receive with thanksgiving in this New Testament era, is okay with God. Now, I'll tell you, if you eat too much ham, it's bad for your health. But God says we should be thankful and thanksgiving. Two times here, the word thanksgiving. And it has both times, it has to do with eating ham. Hallelujah. Merry Thanksgiving to you. It's good. And uh, 
Then we continue with a number of different things. I like verse uh, number 6, and this kind of jumped off the page. So the Bible says, verse number 6, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. When I read that, I was like, that's important to me. I want to be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, and Paul said, now look, Timothy, if you'll remind people about these folks who are refusing to marry, marry, who are refusing meat that God says we can eat, if you meet these folks, and he says, if you'll talk to people and remind people that this is not God's way, he says, you'll be a good minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that's important. We need to remind. As a matter of fact, the first message I wanted to preach tonight is titled, A Good Minister of Jesus Christ. And the first point is he reminds the brethren. The second point is he teaches the brethren. The third point is he gives himself. But I'm not preaching that message tonight. Because I want to take you to the very last verse, this passage of Scripture. And the Bible says in verse number 16, it says, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. There's a message in 1 Timothy chapter number 4 to all of us. And the message is this, take heed unto thyself. Take heed unto thyself. Uh, folks, it is so important that we take personal responsibility for our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's important that we personally take responsibility with knowing and understanding the Word of God and being sound in Bible doctrine. It's of an utmost importance that God's people take heed of themselves and keep on keeping on for the glory of God. Because you're continuing in the faith, you're taking heed to yourself, it doesn't work. The Bible says you'll save yourself. It's not that you're going to save yourself like your works are going to save you from the penalty of sin, but you're going to save yourself a lot of grief. You're going to save yourself a lot of trouble. You're going to see God bless in a big way. For thou shalt save thyself and them that hear thee. We're going to be doing a thing that's good for us and good for the folks that are around us. Tonight's message is this, take heed unto thyself. Number one, take heed unto thyself. Look what the Bible says in verse 12. Take heed to thyself. Now, we need to pay close attention. We need to be certain that we're working on ourselves. And I love verse 12, probably a verse that I've quoted as many times as, as, a, as lots of other verses. It's a verse that I put to memory as a teenager here at Johnny Baptist Church. I'm thankful for that. But the Bible says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. Now, Paul says to Timothy, Now, Timothy, don't let anybody tell you that you're too young to serve the Lord. Now, I'm reminded that the time to start serving Jesus is right now. Let no man despise thy youth. And he says, don't let folks despise that You serve Jesus. You serve God. Don't excuse your youth as a reason to live in sin. Don't excuse your youth as a reason to be immature. Don't excuse your youth or use your youth as an excuse. He says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers. What does he say? He said, you need to take heed to yourself. And you need to determine that you're going to be an example of the believers. Let me ask you this question. Are you an example of what a believer should be? Are you an example of what a Christian ought to be? Are the way that you're living your life, the words you're saying, the things you're doing, are you an example of the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Oh, we should be reminded of this in our heart constantly. That we are, whether you know it or not, you are an example of a believer. You're an example of a believer. I don't want to put too much pressure on you, but the bottom line is, folks know that you attend July Baptist Church. And that's good. But seeing as how folks know you attend Chile Baptist Church, and when they see you attending Chile Baptist Church, they associate you with the Christian faith. And when they associate you with the Christian faith, they associate you with Jesus Christ, our Savior. And I wonder, are you a good example? Do you represent Jesus well? It should be something that we're determined to do. We should be determined to represent Jesus well in our lives. And so the Bible says, let, not, let no man despise thy youth, verse number 12, but be thou an example of the believers. How? He says, let me tell you how. In word. Folks, we need to pay attention to our words. We need to pay attention to our words. Oh, boy. Sometimes it's shameful, the words that come out of our mouths. One reason why we should pay so close attention to our words is because the words that come out of our mouths are an exact representation of what is in our hearts. The Bible says, as a man speaketh, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And the Bible teaches that we speak the words that are in our hearts. And so let me tell you something. If you get mad and you cuss a blue streak, let me tell you something. It's because there is a dirty, filthy, rotten spot in your heart. And we're to be examples of believers in our words. You should be determined with God's help to guard your words. You know, the Bible says, a fool uttereth his whole mind. Sometimes the words maybe not be filthy, but the words are inappropriate. Sometimes the words are bitter. Sometimes the words are angry. Sometimes the words are rich with gossip. But the Bible says we're to be examples of believers in our word. You need to guard your word. Be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation. Now that word conversation, you think, oh man, he just repeated himself. But the word conversation here in the, in the Bible is literally your manner of life, the way you live. You see, the way you live should example Jesus. Folks, folks don't like to hear it sometimes, but when you're a Christian, a child of God, there's places you don't go. When you're a child of God, there are amusements that you do not partake in. When you're a child of God, your life is not the same as the wickedness of this world. We're to honor the Lord in our manner of life and living. Oh, man, this could go so deep. We could spend so much time talking about your conversation, your manner of life. But I'll just tell you, your manner of life, do you know what it does? It affects everything. You should represent Christian people in the way that you live your life. When The way you live your life, the places you go, the people you call friends, your manner of life, the way you spend and invest your money, your manner of life, the way you spend and invest your time, your manner of life. So important. And God says, you need to take heed to yourself and you need to be an example of the believers in word and conversation. The third thing is in charity. And in charity, we should have hearts full of love. Do you spend your time aggravated and upset because you feel neglected by others around you? You may be. But the bottom line is, a heart that's rich with love is not a heart that's rich with feelings of neglect. It's an amazing thing that the Lord does. When you have a heart full of love for other people, the 
next thing you know, you put your burdens, concerns, and needs on the back burner and the cares and concerns of other people are in the forefront of your thinking. God wants us to be people of charity, love. I'll tell you, this is contrary to what our society teaches. It says, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself, love yourself. Now look, I understand that there are seasons in our lives where we need to extend grace to ourselves in the same way that God has extended grace to us. And we need to be willing to let things go and understand that God is faithful to forgive us. But let me tell you something. If you love yourself first, you are going to be an empty, miserable, sad, sorrowful person. You see, God has designed us to love Jesus and others before we love ourselves. And we are to be examples of believers in charity. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, whoa, I'm perfect. I'm not going to a cross and bearing the sin, filthy sin of the world. I've done nothing wrong. Now, that's not the Spirit of Christ. The Spirit of Christ said, these people have sinned and they've condemned themselves because of their sin and I love them. And because God has given me and I as God have the ability to redeem them of their sins, the Bible says that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. And the Lord Jesus gave his life. Listen, we're to be examples of the believer in love. Do you love other people? I'll tell you how to tell. If you spend all your time put out because you feel like people don't love you the way they ought to, you are not an example of the believers. You know something that will happen? When you in faith love and invest in other people, you're going to find out that God in turn will send folks to love and care for you. And in the event he doesn't, you won't care because it doesn't matter. You're here to serve other people. It's not about you anyway. Love. We're to be an example of the believers in charity and love. You're to be an example. Take heed to yourself. We're to be examples of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in charity. In spirit, in spirit, our spirit is our intellect, emotion, and will. Now we are to be examples of the believers in our spirit. Do you have a spirit that pleases the Lord? Do you have a spirit that yearns to show love? Do you have a spirit that yearns to have a reputation that pleases the Lord? We're on the Lord in our spirit. When I think about this thing, spirit, you know, sometimes people say the right words. Sometimes people do the right deeds. Sometimes people on the outside look exactly the way a Christian ought to look, but on the inside, there's all kinds of rottenness. The Lord says, look, you need to be an example of the believer in spirit. Folks, this is probably the one we need to work on the most. And the Bible says, take heed to yourself. Take heed to yourself. Take heed. How, Lord, can I have revival in my spirit? You see, folks, we are the product of what we allow in our hearts. 
the things that come in our hearts, that come through our eyes and our ears. And God's people need to be consistently and persistently putting into their hearts the right things. If you'll fill your heart with God's Word, if you'll fill your heart with music that pleases the Lord, if you'll fill your heart with right things, you're going to find out your heart, your spirit is going to be rich with goodness. May the Lord help us. May the Lord help us. Take heed to thyself. We're to be examples of believers in word, conversation, charity, spirit, in faith, in faith. Has your faith began to waver? You know what the Bible says over and over again we're to do? We're to exercise faith. Isn't that fascinating? How many of you love exercise? Isn't it awesome? I just love exercising. That moment when you feel like you're about to throw up because you've been exercising. It's just one of my favorite sensations. I wake up every morning. What? No, I'm just kidding. I don't. <laughs> That's why I don't exercise every morning. I don't like it. Exercising is uncomfortable. But folks, I encourage you to exercise your faith. Exercise your faith. What does that mean? Put it to practice. Put it to practice. I'm not calling on you to do anything foolish. But look, if it's right to tithe your income, do it. And trust the Lord to do it. If it's right to tell the truth instead of lie, to try to get out of a hairy situation, tell the truth and trust God for the results. If it's right to say no, even though it may cost you some friends, say no and trust God with the results. If it's right to change your plans because... Folks, if encouraged to do something that you know is sinful, say no and trust God. Look, exercise your faith. You know what happens? When you exercise your faith, it gets greater and greater, stronger and stronger, because you're going to find out that when you do God's will, the byproduct of doing God's will is you find out that God is faithful and you can trust Him and your faith increases. We are to be examples of the believers in faith. It continues. And in purity. Examples of believers in purity. Folks, I really think that we are dismissing, even in Christian circles and churches like ours, I think we're dismissing the importance of purity. Look, don't let filth ring loud in your home through your TV and internet connections and social media and etc. etc. Don't let filth Because it's not pure. It's not right. And the filth that you let in your heart is going to change you. And it's going to change you in a wrong way. God's people need to be examples of the believers in purity. Oh, my Lord, help us. Oh, I beg you, Lord, help us to emphasize purity in our homes, in our hearts, in our lives, in the things we do. Purity. What's he say? Take heed. Unto thyself. Folks, God has called us to take heed to ourselves. You need to ask the Lord, am I right with you? You need to ask the Lord, am I an example of the believer? You need to take heed to yourself. Number two, not only take heed unto yourself, but the Bible says, take heed unto thyself, verse 16, and unto the doctrine. Unto the doctrine. 
let me tell you, this is so important. We are to personally, we're to personally seek to know what is right and true. Doctrine. Uh, that word doctrine, it's a scary word to some people, but the tr- word doctrine is very simple. Let me tell you what the word doctrine means. Literally, it's what you believe. Doctrine. Doctrine. Have you ever been around somebody that had false doctrine? Oh, I did. I've got a great example of false doctrine. It was terrible what these missionaries did. You've got to watch out for those missionaries, right? You know what these missionaries did? The missionaries were on deputation, and they had little children, very little children. And this particular child had a, uh, a proclivity to get out of control in restaurants with pastors. And as missionaries, you know that's difficult. You've got a pastor, you're trying to meet him, spend time with him. You really need the church to take you on for monthly support. But there's that rotten missionary kid. You've got to watch out for those missionary kids, right? And... Uh, <laughs> You got that rotten missionary kid, and this kid was notorious for throwing fits at the table and screaming and hollering, carrying on. Well, dad and mom are trying their best to train this boy, but he had also a bad habit. If you said, I'm going to take you out of the car and wear you out, he would be going through the restaurant. The missionary's got the kid over his shoulder. He's stretched out like a plank, kicking and screaming, I don't want a spanking. And I said, what are we going to do? And I'll tell you what they did. They did what missionaries do. They taught their child false doctrine. You ready for this? They told their child. They quit calling that thing they got when he got in trouble a spanking. And he started calling it a cupcake. (laughs) A cupcake. And he'd get in, they said, look, he'd get in trouble. They'd give him a cupcake and wear that boy out with a cupcake. Finally, over a while, cupcake became a terminology to him. It wasn't a cake with icing on top that we all love to eat. A cupcake to this poor child because he was rich in false doctrine was a spanking. But the parents solved a great problem. You know what they did? That kid would get in trouble in the restaurant. They'd grab him up. He'd get in trouble in church. They'd grab him up. And as he, as he screamed going out of the restaurant, out of the church service, he would scream at the top of his lungs, But mom, I don't want a cupcake! <laughs> uh, problem solved. Now, I've told you that story to tell you this. False doctrine, false what you believe, it's not something to be terribly scared of because, you know, it's what you believe. I'm telling you that I believe that the top of this pulpit's brown, but some folks, if they were tall different, they would say it was something else. You see, it's what you believe. Now, doctrine is what we believe. Where in the world should I get my doctrine? I'll tell you where I should get my doctrine. I should get my doctrine from Google. Wrong. Where should I get my doctrine? I know, I know, I know, I know. AI, we could get our doctrine from AI. No, where should I get my doctrine? You should get your doctrine from God's Word. You should find your doctrine. What you believe should be the byproduct of what is in God's Word. Now, doctrine is something that's important. What you believe, it needs to be right according to God's Word. And so the emphasis here, he says, look, you need to take heed yourself. You need to take heed under the doctrine. You need to believe what God says is right and true. May the Lord help us. Take heed unto thyself. Take heed unto 
the doctrine. And the Bible says in verse 16, continue in them. Continue in them. Folks, it's not really hard to have this change of heart and do the right thing for a day or two or a week or two or a month or two. But the truth is, God wants us to continue taking heed to ourselves, to continue in the doctrine. God wants us to continue living the Christian life and being an example. God wants us to continue. And I understand that it's easy to, be, to have a desire to quit. And it even happens in the heart of the preacher. Tired of this mess. God's message to Timothy, a young preacher, was you just keep on keeping on, buddy. You continue. Continue in the things that you've learned. Continue in the faith. Continue living for the glory of God. Continue preaching the truth. Continue believing the doctrine of the Bible. Continue. Now listen. If you've had it in your heart to do right and live for Jesus, but you've found yourself and your heart growing cold to your decision, I beg of you, continue. If we're going to take heed of ourselves, we need to continue, continue in them. The Bible says and concludes this, Continue, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. What's the hope for my future? The hope for my future and the hope for your future is for us to humbly follow the Lord. To take heed of ourselves, to take heed to the doctrine, continue in them. Our hope is in them. My hope for everlasting life, salvation, forgiveness of sin is in Jesus Christ only. My hope for peace and joy, the fruits of the Spirit. My hope for a godly influence. My hope is found in continuing and taking heed to myself. And living the Christian life. My hope. Save thyself. What's their hope? What's the hope of the people around you? What's the hope of your peers at school? What's the hope of the folks you work with? What's the hope of your spouse and your family? The hope of the people around you. Is also found in your faithfulness to the Lord. You know what God's called us to? God's called us all. To live a Christian life. In front of the world. That we find ourselves around. God's called us all to live for the glory of God. Folks, there's lots of people that you're going to come in contact with and have an opportunity to represent Jesus to that I'll never meet. And God's called us all to take heed. You see, when we take heed to the Lord, we take heed to ourselves. We save ourselves. And God, in turn, is able to save those that hear us. May the Lord help us. Will you take heed to yourself? I wonder, as we've considered God's word tonight, has the Lord convicted you of your sin? Are you being an example of the believer? Are you taking heed to yourself? Are you believing and willing to believe what God's word says? Are you ready to quit? I beg of you, you just keep on serving the Lord. Take heed to yourself and you'll find out that God's way is perfect. God is good and right. Put your trust in Him. Let's pray.